Right now, what I'd like for you to do is turn in your Bibles, because I know you got them. All Baptists come to church with their Bibles, right? And if you don't have one, there's a one in the pew, because we know that we're Baptists and we are people of the book. Uh, but if you would turn to Joshua, it's in the Old Testament. And, and we're going to be in, in Joshua chapter 14. And if you are really in, uh, ambidextrous, you can turn back to Numbers chapter 14 uh, and keep that as a reference point. Okay? Um, the thought for this morning is this, and, and you may laugh, but that's okay. I've been laughed at before. Uh, last year, uh, on December 31st, a year ago, I, I retired from full-time pastoring. Okay, I, I hung up my spurs, if you will, or whatever. And but yet, going into that, it, it really caused me to have to reflect. I mean, I was looking in the mirror, and I'm thinking to myself, I've been in the ministry for some 42, 43 years, full time ministry, and now it's time to retire. And when I got to thinking about that. It was working on me. And I had to stop and think about what kind of old man do I want to be? You know? Just what kind of old man do I want to be? And so I want you to, I got some heroes and I want to share one with you. If you would run that that video. This is one of my heroes. Check this out, man. 85 years old. Skiing barefoot. Now this is me. the guy a hand. Who, who do you know that can do that at 85 years old, huh? I don't know a whole lot of people. But I was talking to my daughter about the fact that I was retiring and getting old and everything, and so I showed her what my wish list was for when I get really old. I want one of these. I gotta get one of these. Can you imagine? Man, going to the grocery store, going to church. I mean, that thing will fly. Now, my wife knows that I'm a an adrenaline junkie. And so when I'm driving in the snow, that's me. Oh, that's good. My wife is sitting down here and she's going, oh my goodness. How could he do that this morning in church? 
But you you got to stop and think about it. I mean, what kind of old man do I really want to be? I mean, because I got a lot of choices, you know. I got a lot of choices. I can be grumpy. Anybody know any grumpy old men? <laughs> do you know any gloomy old men? I mean, you know, everything's doom and gloom in, in their minds and their uh, perspective. I know you don't know anybody like this. They're stuck in their ways. <laughs> I mean, they just do things and, and they're sour in their attitude. You get around them and you think you're around a, a persimmon that hasn't ripened, you know? Uh, sometimes they're drifting with no direction, no passion, and it just seems like they're just passing time. I don't want to be like that. Sometimes they get cynical and critical and they start analyzing everything, you know, focus on what's wrong with this world. It's them young people. You know, that's the way they are. It's them young people. I have analyzed it, and the problem is those young whippersnappers. You know, and, and, and so it goes and they focus on what's wrong with the world and the people and they know what's wrong with politics. It's called politicians, right? Amen. And, and, and they know what's wrong with the church because they can go around and pinpoint it. It's him. <laughs> we got it figured out. It's Trey, you know. He tries to change this and he changed that and he's changing everything. It's a good thing God's not finished with him yet, you know? Isn't that exciting? And then sometimes they get a little crusty and a little crude. They just won't really give her a rip about what anybody thinks, you know? So as I stop and think about what kind of old man do I want to be, I start looking around, you know, where... Where can I find some help with this? Where can I find some, something that can kind of give me some guidance? And so I turn to Joshua chapter 14. And you may know who Joshua is. Joshua and, uh, uh, excuse me, Caleb. I got the wrong name in my head. We're going to be looking at Caleb because Caleb hung out with a guy named Joshua and they had a particular role with the nation Israel. But turn to uh, Joshua 14 there and look at verse 6 and and notice what the Bible says. Let's read through this together. Pay close attention. Then the sons of Judah draw near to Joshua and Gilgal and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh and the the Kenizzite said to him, you know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Let me give you an update. You remember Moses? God had delivered his people out of Egypt. Moses led them across the Red Sea when it was split and they had mourned it around and finally they ended up in Kadesh Barnea and God said, I want you to send 12, a spy representing each nation into the promised land, spy it out and then come back and give the nation a report. And so that was done from Kadesh Barnea. They slipped into the promised land, went in, brought back some of the fruit of the land and all that, and a testimony about what that land was like and what God was wanting to do. 
And so we pick it up there and, and he says, I was 40 years old when Moses sent me and, and I came back and I brought to him uh, the word as it was in my heart. Now, look at what happens next, nevertheless. That's one of those times where you pay attention. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. What's Caleb saying? He's saying those other ten spies, when they came back, they, they, they spoke of things in such a way that it created fear. But notice the contrast between Caleb's report and theirs. What Caleb said is, but I followed the Lord my God fully. Now, there's something important for you to remember about Caleb. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever, because you have followed the Lord God, Lord my God fully. That's twice that's said of Caleb. There's something about him that I want you to see. And, and as I think about what kind of old man I want to be, those words would define what I pray will happen. That I have followed the Lord my God fully. And that would be my prayer for you, no matter what age you are. And, and can I just be politically correct for a moment? We, we would say we're just a bunch of old men, old geezers, you know. How do you say that to the women? What kind of old bitty do you want to be, you know? <laughs> I don't know how to say that, but, but you understand, whenever we get more miles on us, a little more mature, what kind of person, we'll use that, what kind of person do we want to be? And I think Caleb gives us a good target when, it's, when he says, follow the Lord my God fully. Stop and think about what that means. What does it mean to follow the Lord my God fully? What he tells you, the way he leads you, what he promises you. We do it by faith and obedience. And so here we are, uh, Caleb and and, and Joshua and the people uh, of Israel have come into the promised land. They're in the process of taking it. And, and um, Caleb and, and, and Joshua are standing before the people. And there's this conversation going on about what God has done and how God has uh, blessed. Look at verse 10. Now behold, the Lord has let me live. This is Caleb speaking as he spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, when Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I'm 85 years old today. See, Banana George gives me hope, but guess what? Caleb gives me a lot more hope. Because look at the next verse. He says, God has kept me alive and he's kept me strong. He says, I am still as strong today as I was in the day where Moses sent me. And as my strength was then, so my strength is now for what? For war and for going out and coming in. That's so cool that God has him prepared for what he's about to take on. Notice this. 
Now then, give me this hill country. This is his request. Now give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that the Anakim were there and there were great fortified cities. And notice what he says. With the eyes of faith and the heart that believes and trusts in the Lord, he says, perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. Is that not crazy? This guy's 85 years old. He should be retired like me, but yet he's saying, give me the highest place, the hardest place, the toughest place. I want to go there. Why? Because I believe how big my God is. Those Anakim, anybody ever heard of Shaq O'Neal? Just a little fella. I mean, the guy's brute. He's huge. You ever seen a picture of him with his girlfriend? I mean, she comes up to about here on him, you know, and you kind of like, wow. <laughs> How's he keep from hurting her, just swinging his arms around or something, you know? But those Anakim were bigger than Shaq. I mean, when you start thinking about how big Goliath was and, and all those guys, I mean, they were huge. And yet here's Caleb saying, my God, he's bigger than the big ones. He is stronger than the strong ones. And he is the one who will give the victory. Folks, we, understand, we need to understand that, that Jesus Christ, our Lord, is sitting on the right hand of the throne in heaven and that God in his power resurrected him from the dead. And that power, that life is resident within us, his children on this earth today. And Paul said it this way, if God is for me, who can be against me? You know what the answer to that question is? Don't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter who's against you. If God is with you, guess what? He's the one that owns the victory. And as we follow him and trust him and believe in him, guess what? He's in control. And he can wipe them out. He can take them out. He can do what he wants to do. And so Caleb was willing at that point to say, Lord, give me that hill country. Give me that toughest place. Give me those people are the, the strongest enemies. And so look what happened. Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. And here's the result. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb's, the son of Jephunneh and the Kenizzite, until this day. Why? Because he followed the Lord his God. What's the word? Fully. He followed the Lord fully. And so I want you to stop and think with me for a little bit this morning about, you know, uh, what is it about Caleb that makes such a difference? I mean, he had courage and confidence. Why? Because of his faith in God. Because of his faith in God. He had a perspective and conviction about the faithfulness of God. I mean, stop and think about some of the things he got to witness. Man, we're in trouble. We're on, the, we're on the shore of the Red Sea and Egyptian armies coming after us. And Moses says, don't fear. And God tells him to hold his staff up. And all of a sudden, this Red Sea thing becomes a 
I-40 or I-65 or, I mean, just a, a dry route right across the sea there to escape Egyptian's army. And then all of a sudden, they start following in. And what does God do? Takes the whole army out. There's no longer a threat when God's around. They get over on the other side and they find out it's desert. There's nothing to drink. God is so faithful. All right, right out of the rock. Here we go. How many of you were expecting that? You know? I mean, this stuff that only God could come up with, right? And he did. And because of that, Caleb had a perspective and a conviction of the faithfulness of God. So if God was faithful then, guess what God's going to do now? Let me ask you this question how many of you ever forget something? <laughs> we all forget. That's what God gave his brain for. I mean, you know, that's my number one forgetter. Uh, but, but here's the problem. Sometimes God blesses us in a special way back here, and then when a new set of problems come, we forget what he did back here. And we lose this, that perspective and that conviction that God's still with me. Please be careful about that. That's why it's important to be in God's word and, and remember his promises and remember the fact that he tells us, I am with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. There's nothing that can separate me from your love. And, and so he also had this uh, awareness and discernment that God was going to fulfill his destiny for his people. Uh, how many in here want to go to heaven? Amen. I didn't see anybody say, well, I, I just really like to go to hell. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, have you ever heard anybody say that? No. So I got a question for you. What is God's destiny for us? Man, it's a beautiful place in the right presence of God. And if that's God's destiny for us, let me ask you a question. Are we living with heaven in mind? See, Joshua never forgot that he was living with heaven in mind. He was living in the fact that in heaven at the throne of God is the God of creation and the God who loves his Hebrew people and has promised this for them to have this promised land to go in and live. He was giving it to them as a gift and he was going to go before them and there wasn't anything that those people in that land who had been idolaters and who had rejected the truth about God and God was removing them from that land and giving it to his people who loved him and knew him and wanted to be his people. See, I, I want you to understand something today. Caleb was a man of faith and obedience to the Lord. And we see him stepping out of the background. I mean, for about 40 years, he's just kind of been watching what happened to all those guys that, you know, that gave that other report. They've been dropping like flies in the wilderness because they had not believed what God had promised and stated. And so Caleb steps up and he says, give me the hill country. 
And my question is, what kind of old man does that? And so let's run through a few things real quick. And, and the first one is this. He's a man or a woman who has complete confidence in God's word and God's promises. Did you notice in this passage of Scripture, go back to verse, four, uh, verse 6. And as he was talking, the Lord drew and Caleb began to speak there in verse 6. He said, you know, listen to what he points to. He says, you know the word of God? You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man concerning you and me? What does he do? He points, to, he points to Joshua and says, Joshua, remember that? What God said about you and me because we believed and we trusted God and, and we were going to go with God and not that other ten. He pointed to what God's word said. And, and then throughout this whole passage of scripture, he goes on and, 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 and mentions it. Look at verse uh, 10. Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he, you see that? Just as he spoke. He's always going back to the Word of God, just as he spoke. Remember what he said, and on and on it goes. And, and I don't know about what that says to you, but here's what it says to me. I need to be aware of what God has spoken about me as his child. I need to understand what God has spoken about me and who I am in Christ and who Christ is in me. I need to understand what the Word of God says about what my prayer life should be like. Why? Because if I don't ask, I do not receive. And I need to understand about the fact that if I really love the Lord, over in John chapter 14, verse 15, 21, and 23, it says, if I really love the Lord, I will, be, I will not only heed His Word, but I will obey His Word. And so the first thing that we notice about Joshua is he was a guy who not only understood and believed God's word, but he claimed God's promise. This is what God told me. He said, if you'll take the hill country, man, I'll give it to you. Those guys don't stand a chance against you, you old man. I mean, stop and think about that. Wow. And so as we look at this passage of scripture, it should encourage us. Why? To get in God's word and begin to understand those promises and principles uh, that God has given us to live our lives as his children. What does it tell us about our Lord? What does it tell us about what God wants to do in and through us as we're that light and that salt in the community? Then notice another thing. Caleb not only had complete confidence in God's word, he had complete faith in the person of God. I mean, it's one thing to hear what God's word says, but it's another thing to step out there in faith and to know that God is one who is faithful to his word and that God is able. See, he believed what God said, but he also believed what God could do. See, some people think God created heavens and the earth and then walked off <laughs> and just lets it run. And it's up to us to do the best we can. I don't think so. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us if Jesus decided he wasn't going to watch over us anymore, this whole thing would come apart. Go over and look in Colossians chapter 1, beginning after verse 11, verse 12 and following, and look at what it says about the role of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It's amazing. But Caleb had that faith in what God uh, had said, but not also but what God could do. See, he had a heart thing. He had faith in the Lord. Part of my testimony, I showed it this weekend, was there was a time in my life where I'd show up at church and do church. I know y'all don't do that because y'all come here to worship God and follow the Lord and be obedient to him. But I was one of those kids who grew up in church and had gotten a little bit too comfortable in church. And I'd go to church and I'd sit there and, you know, I'd come in at 10:15. Sunday school started at 9.30, but I'd count myself as active because <laughs> I got there for the last 15 minutes of the lesson. Amen. Is that a little hypocritical? Is that a little goofy in the head? Yeah. I go to church and, man, the sermon was wonderful, but I was paying attention to my girlfriend about how close I could sit to her and if I could kind of, you know, hold her hand, she'd have her hands, arms folded, and we would just touch fingers and just be in bliss all throughout the sermon. Oh, that was a good service, Pastor. I didn't care what he said at that point. I'm about to apologize, you know. But I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes we can play these games and not understand that God tells us you'll seek for me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And we talked about that yesterday. The passionate pursuit of God, if we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, body, and strength, that means what's your heart first. So stop and think about Caleb. He's a man who believed the Word of God and believed in the person of God. And in do you understand why Paul said uh, when you get saved that uh, you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes resulting in righteousness and with con- confession is made unto salvation. you understand why he said that? Don't look at me like that. I said, do you understand? <laughs> confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Man, if God raised him from the dead, he was the victor over sin and death and, and, and hell and the devil and everything else. And guess what? That's the kind of Lord I want. Amen? That's the kind of Lord we serve. That's the kind of Lord we follow. We never need to forget that. Why? Because if my God is for me, who can be against me? It don't matter. It doesn't matter. Look at old Caleb. Caleb goes, uh, he's also a man whose heart tells him he's not finished yet. Caleb, you're 85 years old. You've been walking around in the desert. You probably got a couple of blisters on your feet. You probably got sore ankles and toes and your feet are worn out and, and you know you're probably not quite as fast on the trot as you used to be when you used to go jogging every morning. No, no, no. He says I'm still strong. God has kept me that way. You're not really retired. He's still on mission. He's still in the Father's business. Can I just tell you something? Until God cuts off (laughs) that last breath, until God closes those eyes for the last time, you know, you can be about the Father's business. You may not be as young as Trey is. You may not be as gifted as other people in this room are, but let me tell you something. The Spirit of God lives within you. He'll bear witness with you in prayer to the Father about the Father's business. 
I got a lot of soapboxes lined up, but I'm going to try and stay off of them, okay, <laughs> at that point because there's no challenge too big for a God who is so big. Amen? So why are we trying to do little things when God says, let's do some big things, let's go to the mountains, let's knock out those giants, let's take the hill country and prove to them that our God is so big. I mean, you talk about a testimony, sitting around the campfire. Remember Grandpa? Yes, his name was Caleb. Oh, why in the world would he want to go to the hill country? Because the God so big takes care of the problems that are so big. See, that's important for us to remember. Don't let life get you down. Let, don't let health get you down. Don't let all sorts of little things get you down. Why? Because your God is so big and he sits at the right hand of heaven on the throne of God. See, back in Numbers 14, you can write this down and go back and read it yourself. God has given us that land. He's removed their protection and he is with us. Faith in the word, faith in God's faithfulness, understanding what God had said and understood that and he, so he was willing to move forward, not fall back. And then you'll notice in verse 10 and 11, we read that, and, and he had this awareness that God had blessed him with health and strength. Listen, if you're still walking, you ought to be serving. If you're still talking, you ought to be sharing. If you're still able to move, you ought to be praying. I mean, there's all sorts of ways in the kingdom of God that we can serve the Lord and, and we ought to be doing that in tune and in touch with him. And so uh, Caleb as an older man said, the Lord has blessed me with health and strength and I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm not just going fishing and playing golf all the rest of my days. No, I'm going to go take the giants and take them out because that's what God called me to do. Well, what else about it? I really like this. Caleb, let me tell you something about Caleb. This is what I love about him. Caleb had a hunger. He had a hunger for all that God wanted to give him. Now think about that just for a moment. There wasn't anything that Caleb wanted to miss that God had promised him. There wasn't anything that Caleb wanted to bypass that God had said, this is for you, Caleb. It doesn't matter how tough it looks. doesn't matter how uh, ominous it looks. Caleb was saying, I don't want to miss anything that God has for me. Knock, knock. Who's there? Jesus. And here's what Jesus says. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life, and that life abundant and overflowing. How many of you like to experience all of that? I mean, why are we not just saying, Lord, come on, 
Pour out your blessings. When, when Dana goes out to speak and when I go out to speak, one of the things I, I, I quote to her is Romans chapter 15, verse 29. And Paul was writing to the church in Rome when he was talking about coming there. And he says, I know that when I come, I'll come in the fullness of the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I want to go and be a blessing. I don't want to go there and be a bother. I want to be a blessing. I want Jesus to use me, to bless me, and bless them with all that he is. And sometimes I wonder the way people live the Christian life. I wish I, where's my big spoon? (laughs) Y'all should have seen it the other day. All weekend I had this huge spoon hanging from the pulpit. It was driving those people nuts. Because I didn't say nothing about it. I just left it there. There's a reason for the big spoon. When I go for dessert, I carry the big spoon. Not a little spoon, a big spoon. Why? Because I want all I can get. Bluebell, homemade, vanilla. (laughs) But even more important, when it comes to the blessings of God, I want the big spoon of faith that says, Lord, pour it on. Don't hold back. Lord, don't let me get in the way, but help me to draw from you all that you have for O earn. See, that's the kind of guy Caleb was. He said, Lord, I don't want to miss anything that you have for me. And, And stop and think about the testimony he could give his grandkids. You know? They had a four-wheel drive walker, <laughs> you know, <laughs> headed up the mountain, you know, or, or one of those jet <laughs> scooters, you know. Uh, but he was victorious over those giants. And what a testimony. Why? Because he hungered for all that God wanted to give him and he was willing to tackle the tough things and rely on the Lord and see the Lord's victory in that. And he was willing to trust God all the way through because the victory belonged to the Lord. You know, some of us live with giants in our lives. And just for a moment, let's be serious and realistic. It could be depression, it could be an addiction, it could be an obsession. It could be a spirit of unforgiveness. It could be uh, something that's uh, an Achilles heel sin that it just seems Satan is always able to trip you up. And, and, And you understand what I'm saying here. Those are giants in our lives that somehow keep us from being and doing all that God wants us to be and do. But what Caleb will tell you is God's the one that owns the victory. Take it to him and give it to him. Take it to him and focus on him. Take it to him and leave it with him. But go with him all the way. Quit holding back and quit using those things as an excuse. I mean, if you have to take medicine, take the medicine. Make sure you're doing it, but yet keep your focus on the Lord 
and ask him to give you that victory. Ask him to lead you in his path so that he can get all the glory. If you're 85 years old and you're preparing for battle, how many of you would buy you a good insurance policy? Dana would say, hey, a couple of million, will you? You know? Because you might not be coming home. Now stop and think about that. Here's an 85-year-old gentleman, probably dressed in a three-piece suit, and got his staff and his sword, going into battle. How many of you think he's coming home? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, God said he's coming home, though, because God said he's going. But, but stop and think about this. If we're really living with heaven in mind, it doesn't matter what happens to us in that battle. If we really have our full trust in God, we know that death has no victory, death has no sting, because the victory lies with Jesus, who was raised from the dead, and because he was raised from the dead, guess what? That's our promise, that's our pledge, that we get raised from the dead, and we'll spend eternity in heaven rejoicing over the victory of the Lord. Amen. Let's go. No, not today, but, you know. When he gets ready, I'm going. But, but stop and think about the fact that here's Caleb, that man of faith that loves the Lord, that follows the Lord, had the confidence to go into that battle and it didn't really matter. What happened to him, what it was, he was concerned about was God's glory. Isn't that cool? God, could you help us to have that kind of faith? Help us to have that kind of perspective. That no matter where I am, you're with me and precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. And even if I breathe my last, even I get a spear run through me, I'm still going home. And you're going to be there to greet me. The victory is the Lord's. Now let me wrap this thing up. Caleb was an old man. So what's that got to do with all you young bucks in this room? Let me tell you something. He was only 40 years old when he first stepped out and stood against the crowd and said, this is what God wants us to do. We need to do it. This is what God has promised and he will do it. And we have no business going in the other direction, turning tail and run. No, we need to go in and attack that promised land. Folks, do you understand something about Caleb? It didn't just happen when he was 85 years old that he had all this faith all of a sudden and that he had somehow matured. No, it began when he was a young man because he was there and had a mentor named Moses and Aaron and he had a buddy named Joshua, and they had a like-mindedness and a like-heartedness, and when they came back, they stood together against all those other ten people, and even though they were in the minority, they were speaking the truth and standing on the truth and believing the truth, and it was their conviction, and it was their blessing. Why? Because God took note of it. Followed the Lord God fully is the testimony. And you see, it doesn't matter what age you are. That's the question. Are we following the Lord Jesus fully?
And that's not just the question for today. That's the question for tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. When I leave the house, do I have my faith eyes on? Believing in what God has told me, what he has blessed me with, what he's promised me, and the fact that he'll go with me. And so when I start my day, man, I'm way ahead of the game, aren't I? And you see, it begins when you're young. Build faith in your children. Teach them the word. Teach them the promises. Teach them how to obey. Show them where you struggle. Speak that. Nurture that. Disciple that in their little hearts. And be sure to let them know that you're living with heaven in mind. Amen? Lord, I'd I'd really like to be a Caleb. Followed the Lord God fully. I wonder today, is that your heart's desire? Have you said, Lord, could you help me be that kind of person? I don't think we can do it by ourselves, but I think God in his grace and mercy and love can work in us through the Holy Spirit and the enrichment of his word. Get us to be that kind of person. But today I'm going to call you to make a commitment. Lord, I'd really like to be like a Caleb. I don't know where you want me to take, whether it's hill country, slay giants, or just overcome the stuff in my life. I want it to be said of me. He followed the Lord his God fully at every step. If God's calling you to do that today, would you just bow your head and say, God, here I am. Work in me. Shape me, mold me, whatever it takes. Put me with people who will encourage me and challenge me and pray for me. Help me to be a a catalyst in other people's lives to want to live that kind of faith and that kind of commitment to their Lord. Father, thank you again for this day and the privilege to come and be with First Baptist Church of Robinson, with Trey and Hannah and the gang here. And I pray your blessings on them. I pray that your word would strike hot in their hearts. And that, Lord, that they as a church would take a step up, if you will, in their faith and their obedience and their sense of mission and purpose here in this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.